0: Right, today's first reading comes from Acts 2 1 to 24. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own tongue. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes and Alamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Syria, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Follow Jews, Jews and all who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I have to say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and the signs of the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading comes from John 737 39 On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him would later receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. This is the gospel of Christ.
1: Thank you Ashley. morning everyone, very good to see you. Let me um, pray and then we'll think on those words. Uh, Heavenly Father we thank you uh, this morning, a day we remember as the day of Pentecost. We thank you for your spirit. Thank you for all that uh, he means to us, for his work within us and amongst us and forgive us for those times when we take it for granted. We pray that this morning as we um, think for a few moments on that first day of Pentecost and all that it symbolised and and achieved, we pray that we may see the wonderful significance of that for our lives today and that we may just be so thankful to you for your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, apologies if you were coming hoping to carry on the uh, series in Matthew. We will get back to Matthew either next week or the week after. But um, as Joel said at the beginning of our time together this morning, today is the day of Pentecost in the church calendar. It's the day where we remember that 50 days after Jesus was raised, uh, the Holy Spirit came down from heaven and indwelt believers in a way that had never happened before. So if you think of the timeline of what was going on back then, you've got Jesus ministering while he's alive in Judea, then he dies on the cross, achieving the Father's purposes. Then three days later, after his death, he rises from the dead... And for 40 days, we're told, after the resurrection, he appeared amongst his disciples. Uh, he, he carried on showing them wonderful things and teaching. But after 40 days, he ascended back to the Father, where he remained. Ten days after the ascension, Pentecost happened. The Spirit came down. Jesus had gone up after 40 days after the resurrection. On 50 day, After 50 days, the Spirit came down. And that's what we're going to be thinking about this morning. I'm not going to go into too much depth in all. There's a lot that um, Ashley just read to us, a lot going on there. I'm only going to focus on two things that Pentecost reminds us of uh, with the coming of the Holy Spirit. But both are wonderful truths, and I pray that they'll be an encouragement for you uh, as they have been for me. Both of them have to do with the issue that faces all human beings at different times of being alone, of being isolated, of being lonely. The Beatles had a song called Eleanor Rigby. If you know the song, you'll know it tells the story of a character called Eleanor Rigby and another one called Father McKenzie. And uh, the song tells the story of these two souls who live a life without people. They live a life with no one seeming to care for them. Uh, They do things no one notices or pays any attention to. If you know some of the lyrics, here we go. Eleanor Rigby died in the church and was buried along with her name. Nobody came. Father Mackenzie wiping the dirt from his hands as he walks from the grave, no one was saved. All the lonely people, where do they all come from? Being alone has always been a problem for human beings. When you read through the scriptures and you start at the beginning, and all Christians do this at some stage in their Christian walk, they go, I'm going to read through the Bible right from the beginning. And uh, you start off in Genesis 1 and 2 and the creation of the world. We keep seeing, as God creates, him saying, and it was good, and it was good. But we're told that the one thing that wasn't good in creation was man being alone. Right from the beginning, there's been a problem with loneliness, with isolation. And you might think, well, I can understand it back then. Adam was totally alone. He didn't have any other human beings. But today, surely, it's different. Today, we live in a a world populated by billions, and we keep getting told there's too many people. Most of us live in in cities of either millions or hundreds of thousands. We've got phones and we can be in touch with people and contact with people so easily through texts and emails and everything else. We have social media which connects friends. We have dating sites to connect potential romantic partners. But have we ever struggled as a society more with loneliness? although there's all these possibilities for making connections and being involved in other people's lives, so many people struggle with isolation and loneliness. And of course, you can struggle from loneliness even when you don't appear to other people to struggle with it. Just because you've got lots of people around you doesn't mean you're not lonely. You can be lonely whether you're a single person, Worrying that uh, you may never have someone that you can share your life with in a kind of married sense, but you can be lonely when you're married. You've heard me say before here at St Stephen's, sometimes uh, although the physical distance, the literal distance between two married people lying in a bed is only a few inches, it can often feel like a a gaping chasm between those two in in a troubled marriage. You can be living under the same house as lots of people and still feel isolated and alone. But it's more than just a kind of singleness and marriage, lack of friends today. People, I think, are out and about less with people today. We're often behind screens or in a room or those sorts of things. Sometimes we go through stages of life where we lose loved ones, treasured companions... And we think, well, I'm never going to have another relationship like that again. And there's an isolation and loneliness that comes there. And loneliness is not just the lack of people. Sometimes it's the, the feeling of being different, of not being understood, of being apart. It's more common than we care to admit, I think, and can be so painful. Disconnection is a real thing, even though we have more ways today to be connected than ever before. Well, this morning we see the wonderful gift that the Holy Spirit is for all God's people in this area. I want us to see two wonderful truths that the coming of the Spirit makes for the reality of every Christian. This is great news. The first is seen in the speaking of different languages or tongues that went on. Uh, now, I hope you saw as, as she was reading through this, what was going on here was not speaking heavenly languages. Sometimes people use the term tongues to talk about heavenly languages. That's not what was going on here on the day of Pentecost. Earthly languages were being used by people and heard by people who had no knowledge of them. That's the supernatural event that's going on here. But why? Why? Why this kind of hearing different languages and being able to speak different languages, what was going on? Well, it symbolizes the first aspect of the Holy Spirit I want to highlight this morning. The Holy Spirit unites us with other believers. The Holy Spirit unites us with other believers. Luke says many languages were being Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, uh, says that many languages were spoken of and heard here. In verse four, if we can have it, Alex, it says they spoke another language, uh, other languages. In verse five, it tells us there were Jews from every nation who, in verse six, heard each disciple speaking in their native language. And then, just so that we don't miss the point. He then lists in verses 9 to 11 all the different areas and languages that were present. That list has got too many complicated names. Ashley already had to read it publicly. I'm not going to do it now. That's how many people and language groups there were. It's basically saying all nationalities, all people groups heard and understood in the Spirit. It's speaking of the unity that comes even from people who couldn't normally understand or hear it from each other or communicate, they were united because the Spirit unites the people of God. And what was going on here is actually, it's more than just saying that, it's a picture of the reversal of one of the great Old Testament events. I spoke before about the book of Genesis and the problem of being alone. If we move a few chapters forward in the book of Genesis, you'll remember the Tower of Babel. And the incident with the Tower of Babel was it was a time where people in their arrogance were seeking to to, uh, show that they could be like God. They built a tower wanting to go all the way up to God to show that they were basically like God. And God, as a result of their arrogance and um, kind of rudeness, did something. He scattered them all, and he divided them. He scattered them into different places, and he divided them. What's the best way to divide people? He made them speak different languages. Because if you can't communicate, you are divided. Look on any book or self-help kind of um, program on relationships, doesn't matter what relationship it is, it will talk about the primacy of communication. If you can't communicate, you can't be united. And so at the Tower of Babel, the people were scattered and they spoke different languages. And it spoke of disunity. But after Jesus has come, After his crucifixion and resurrection, the saving work of Jesus unites people. The work of Jesus is for all people. Divisions are gone, and the Spirit on the day of Pentecost brings unity. Have a think about it. At Babel, people were attempting under their own steam to reach heaven, and the result was separation and disconnection. At Pentecost, heaven came down to earth. The Spirit came down to people. And the result was unity and connection. Do you remember what we say at communion? We said it last week if you were here. The minister says, brothers and sisters, we are the body of Christ. And we reply, by one spirit we were baptised into one body. That's true. That's the truth. By one Spirit, we've been baptized into one body. It's the Spirit of God which brings us unity through the work of Jesus Christ. You've got to remember that. It's a wonderful truth. It's a wonderful privilege. And we want to remember it kind of in our minds and act it out in our lives as Christians. We have an intimate unity and fellowship. I am your brother in Christ. That may not encourage you that much, but I am. You are my brother or sister in Christ. We are wonderfully related. And it's not just with each other here at St. Stephen's, although it is within our church family, but with all Christian brothers and sisters, wherever they are. Our unity reaches beyond denominational lines. It reaches beyond national lines, and it should have a profound effect on on the way we see, treat, and care for our brothers and sisters in Christ right around the globe. Friends, we can often feel like we don't belong. We can often in this world feel as if we're the odd one out. You belong. You belong within the family of God. You have a family and brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a deep and profound unity. We are one. At the moment out in the world, it's very hard to be a Christian. Think of what some of our youngsters are going through at school if they believe in Jesus and think a different way from most of the, uh, the other students or the teachers that are teaching certain things. Very hard to be a Christian out in the workplace at the moment because there's so much of our culture at the moment which is not just uh, it's not, there's not just an apathy against Christianity, there's an anti-Christian kind of thinking and bias. Very hard to be Christian at different times. Coming together here within our church family at St. Stephen's should be a blessing because we have this unity in the Spirit. Here is the place where we should be understood and appreciated and listened to and encouraged and strengthened and challenged. And we should seek that out here within our church family. We need to do that actively. It won't happen by accident. We need to do it. This should be a place where we can trust each other, where we serve one another, where we make sacrifices for the good of each other where we show unconditional love. It should be a blessing, the unity that we have in Christ. Church family is a place where we look out for uh, others, look after them, comfort them, challenge them sometimes, worry about, warn sometimes. It's a privilege. It's also a responsibility, though. We've got to do it for each other. If, as I say it, uh, you you kind of think, well, no one's really doing that for me here. Well, you can never change what anyone else is doing. You make sure you're doing that for others. Then the more we take care of ourselves and do it for others, the more it will catch on. We can't control whether we've got people that are being Christian friends to us. We can control whether we're being it to others. It's why one of the things we encourage here at St. Stephen's is being part of smaller groups. It's harder to get to know people um, in a bigger group like this and to know what they're going through in life and how best to be able to support and encourage. It's why church is never a spectator sport. Uh, And you don't have to do that through a small group. There's other ways. but, But think about are we doing it? Or do we sometimes just come to church to be spectators? We're to look after each other. There's a wonderful unity we have because of the Spirit of God, and we see it on that first day of Pentecost. So the first aspect of the Holy Spirit we see this morning is he unites us with other Christians. The second aspect of the, uh, is that the Holy Spirit unites every Christian with God. He unites every Christian with God. When Peter explains what's going on here on the day of Pentecost, because it's an odd day, there's weird things happening, he says that what's going on is a fulfillment of the prophet Joel. And Joel was an Old Testament prophet. You can read his prophecy in the Old Testament. And he prophesied that in the last days, God would pour out his spirit on all people. Now, there's a lot in that prophecy, but that's the key part. In the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all people. And what he means by that is, um, in the last days, what's the last days? The last days, according to the Bible, is not the last few days just before Jesus comes back. It's the period of time between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. It's been 2,000 years of last days. We are right in the middle of the last days now. And he says, in the last days, God will pour out his Spirit on all people. And I don't think it's saying all there as in every single one. It's saying all in terms of every single kind of person. It's not like one age group is going to be excluded from the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. It's not like one nationality is going to be excluded from the, the, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Every kind of person can receive the Holy Spirit. And it's the same principle that was in our second reading that Ashley read. If we can have John 7, whoever believes in me, Jesus said, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within it. And you go, well, what does that mean? Don't worry, John tells us. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus hadn't been glorified. That John reading happens before Jesus dies. But the day of Pentecost is the time that this happens. So whoever believes in me, Jesus says, streams of living water, the Holy Spirit, flow within them. What a great promise. Jesus says every Christian will have the Spirit. Every Christian, every person who has turned from their sin to follow Christ in faith has received the Spirit of God. All who trust in Jesus has the Spirit of God within them. That is massive. It means you don't have to come to church to draw close to God because he's already within you, wherever you are. Now, we come to church to draw close to each other, to encourage and strengthen and praise the Lord together and pray together, and there's huge value in it. We must be doing it. But you don't have to draw closer to God by coming here. He's already within us. And that is a massive deal. We sometimes take it for granted. In the past, that wasn't the case with the people of God. In fact, distance from God was one of the key themes of the Old Testament. One of the key themes in the Old Testament was, because God is so holy and righteous and just, and because we're broken as human beings and sinful, we need to keep a distance from God. And you can see that all the way through the Old Testament. As soon as Adam and Eve fell, as soon as they sinned, what happened? They had to leave the garden. They couldn't be in the presence of God. When Israel, as the people of God, were building the tabernacle and the temple, within the architecture of those things, it showed that you need to keep a distance from God. If you think about the architecture of the tabernacle and the temple, it was basically keep out signs at all the different levels. Gentiles could go so far into the temple and then they could go no further. Uh, Jewish women, Israelite women could go further but then no further. Israelite men could go a little bit further but then no further. Priests could go a little bit further but they couldn't get to the holy of holies where God's presence was, was to dwell. Only one person on one day of the year after going through a whole lot of sacrifices could get into the Holy of Holies, get to the presence of God, and then they had to leave. So all the way through the Old Testament, distance, the fact that we can't come into the presence of a holy, righteous God, spoke about our relationship with God. Do you see how different Pentecost makes it? Pentecost marks a whole new epoch, a whole new era in God's dealings with people because now God, by his Spirit comes upon and within all his people he fills his people and so a christian has god literally within us always no more distance and this speaks of the closeness of our relationship with god the distance that had to be kept before because the relationship was broken is gone now he's within us because it's been fixed so perfectly by the blood of the lord jesus christ It's a new age since Pentecost that you and I live in. And to our shame sometimes, we don't realise how incredible this is. An Old Testament Jew could barely have conceived of this wonder because they knew the distance they had to keep. Not even the great high priest of the people of God could, could come into the presence of God. And you and I have the privilege of him being with us, within us, all the time shows how incredible the work of the Lord Jesus was on our behalf because it's fixed everything so that he can now dwell in us. And this is part of the good news because it means that if you're a Christian, you are never alone. You are never alone. It means you're never as weak as you may feel. It means you're never as unsupported as you might think. It means that God by his spirit is always with you, always within you, always able to empower and strengthen you. Whatever it is you may be going through now, you're not going through it alone. Whatever no one else knows about you and the wrestles you're facing, the Lord does, and he's with you, and he'll be with you as you go through this. Friends, God has not left you alone to struggle in this world. He's given you his spirit to sustain and strengthen, to transform us more and more into the likeness of Jesus. We each have the privilege, the privilege of the Spirit working in us. Each have the Spirit encouraging us. Each, when we don't know how to put things into words in prayer to God, groaning on our behalf. We each have the Spirit transforming us wherever we are all the time, more and more into the likeness of Jesus. It's an unbelievable privilege. We're able to bear the fruit of the Spirit more and more in our lives. We're able to have gifts of the Spirit. Now, as I I draw to a close, I want to ask you a question. Do you know you've got the Spirit of God in you? It's something we should be sure of from the reading this morning. The reality is that many Christians doubt it. You may doubt it. When things are going well in the Christian life, we hardly ever think about or doubt the presence of God with us. But when things are more difficult, we, we sometimes feel more alone than ever before, even as Christians. It can be because we're feeling low spiritually. It might be because we're bogged down by certain burdens. It might seem because we look at others and think they're going well in the Christian life and I'm not and what's going wrong. And we can say, where are you, God? Help me, please. It may just be because you don't feel like you've got the spirit. You don't have the confidence or the assurance that you think you would have if you had the spirit of God within you. If you've ever felt like that, can I offer you some advice this morning? Don't forget your feelings. Forget your feelings. And trust the promise of God. Trust the promise of God. Peter promised later on in the book of Acts, uh, he promised that you will receive the Spirit. Jesus, in that reading from Acts 7, the second one that we heard, promised that all who believe have the Spirit. Our feelings are not always good guides at being reliable, accurate sources of information. Don't trust your feelings, trust the promise of God. Do I have the spirit? Yes, if I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Am I forgiven because sometimes I don't feel forgiven? Yes, if we trust in in, in Jesus Christ. Don't trust your feelings, trust the promises of God. It's a terrible thing to be alone. But God's given us his spirit. And his spirit unites us with other Christians We have a family, brothers and sisters in Christ to hold us and to have us and he unites us with himself. Pentecost is the day we remember that. It's a great day. So this morning I pray that we will celebrate that we're not alone, no matter how we're feeling. Let's celebrate that God has united us with each other and with himself. Let's be... Christian friends and family to one another. There's a responsibility that comes with this privilege. Let's look out for each other. As, we, as you look around the hall today, I won't, I won't get you to do it now, but afterwards when we finish, and you look around the hall, these are your brothers and sisters in Christ. These are the people that the Lord has placed you with as a church family. These are the people we desperately want to be with on the last day and it's our privilege and responsibility to make sure that everyone here gets there on the last day. Sometimes that will mean encouraging them. Sometimes it will mean challenging them. Sometimes it will mean sticking your arm around them and listening to where they're at. Sometimes it will mean praying with them and for them. But this is our, the unity we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we also have a wonderful unity with God himself. He's within us by his Spirit, and he will bring us home one day to be with him. The gift of the Spirit is a wonderful thing. The day of Pentecost is a wonderful reminder of the truths that we have, and I pray that it encourages you and I as we walk with the Lord. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the, uh, the wonderful chance the day of Pentecost gives us to remember the great gift of your Spirit. Forgive us for those times we take it for granted. And I pray that this morning we may have been encouraged uh, to remember the wonderful blessing that's ours, the privilege as well as the responsibility of being part of your family, of having brothers and sisters. Help us be outward-looking for others and serving them uh, for their best interest. And help us get, get and receive wonderful encouragement and strength knowing that you are always with us, working within us by your Spirit. I pray we'd hold on to these wonderful truths. In Jesus' name, amen.